Why don't you guys go to prayer with me as we pray for our time in God's Word. Uh, Lord, thank you uh, for this opportunity to be able to sing your praise, uh, to be able to sing all I have is Christ, and, and that is a prayer of ours, Lord. Uh, we want to be able to say that all we have is Christ and, and Him alone, Lord. And So we want to pray, God, and we want to pray for that to be true of our lives. If we're honest, oftentimes it's not, and so God, we pray for your grace, Lord. To, to, to be able to truly, truly say all we have is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for bringing everyone here safely tonight. Lord, um, uh, thank you so much for your grace in each and every one of our lives, Lord, um, believers and unbelievers alike. Uh, Lord, I pray that our time in the Word would be an encouragement, Lord. I pray for those here who don't know your Son, uh, that they would come to know Him, Father, um, if it be tonight, Lord, would you bring that about? If it be tomorrow, uh, we, we don't care, Lord. Ultimately, we want before they step into eternity that they have a right relationship with Christ. We lift these things up in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I want you to grab your Bibles and, and go to Acts chapter 2, where we're going to spend primarily, uh, primarily be for most of the night, uh, though we're going to be hopping around. Um, I'm very excited. I'm very thankful for tonight's topic because uh, we're going to be talking about fellowship, and I love uh, to talk about fellowship. It's a very important topic, um, and, and I want to start out by saying this, guys, in regard to fellowship is it, it is undoubtedly a spiritual discipline. Maybe some of you are thinking, wow, the, the discipline of fellowship. Uh, it, it is undoubtedly a, a spiritual discipline for the believer, a discipline I don't know if we talked about this a lot, at least as we have been using it this summer, um, it is an activity or an exercise or, or a regimen, if you will, um, that develops or improves a skill. That's a very concrete definition for the word discipline. It's an accurate one, though. Uh, when we talk about a discipline of something, uh, if you don't know this, we're talking about a specific activity uh, that the Christian does in order to improve their skill, in order to develop their skill better. What skill are you talking about, Deontay? This isn't an academic skill. This isn't an athletic skill, of course, for the believer. It's the skill, if you will, if you would use that term, of modeling after the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're image bearers. Many of you guys know that. Uh, And in a sense, that means we're mirrors or replicas. You guys have heard that often. Um, and if we want to be accurate image bearers, if we want to be good models, uh, good repu- uh, replicas, good mirrors, uh, there's a necessity. It's necessary for you and I to do certain things, right? We got to do something in the Christian walk. And, and these things that we devote ourselves to, these things that we do, they're going to better help us accomplish the goal at hand. And what's the goal? To be a better model to be a better image bearer. 1 John 2.6, whoever abides in me ought to walk in the same way in which I walk, in which I walk. That's the words of John, and he says, if you want to be a good model, if you want to be a God-glorifying Christian, you got to walk in the ways Jesus walked. There's the formula. But if we want to do that, again, we got to do certain things. We have to 
be committed to certain things. We have to be committed to the Bible, letting it dwell richly in us. We've talked about that already. We have to be committed to uh, being diligent in the area of purity. Uh, Josh and Michelle taught us about that. If we want to walk in the same manner as our Lord, we have to do well in our thought life, in our thought life, the discipline of the mind. We must use our tongues and our mouths or our mouths well. Andrew just taught about, uh, taught about that last week. Or we're going to see in the coming weeks, if we want to be a good model after the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be diligent in our prayer life. Uh, in our prayer life, we need to be good workers wherever we work. God glorifying workers if we are to model well after the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also, listen to this, we also have to do well in the area of fellowship if we want to be good image bearers. It's an absolute must. It's not optional. Again, it's a must. And this is nothing new for a lot of you guys here. You know that. Um, and it's really nothing new for me either. A Christian fellowship, if, if I can get personal with you for a little bit, it, it changed my life. It changed my life. But I know I'm not alone in that. I, I know I'm not the only one who would, who would say that. Uh, fellowship has had, has had a great effect on a lot of your lives, hasn't it? About a year ago, we ended up devoting an entire semester to this very topic, fellowship. You guys remember it, the Alone Together series. We opened up the Word of God and looked at all the times where it said, uh, do this with one another, do this with one another. It says that a lot of times, and we're actually going to talk about that uh, uh, at the end of the message. And I remember at the very beginning of the semester, Tanner, our old college pastor, he had us apprentices or us interns uh, share our testimonies. And he asked us specifically when we share our testimony, as we began to launch into our Alone Together series, he said, I really want you guys to focus. Uh, if you know how you share your testimony, you give the, your life before, uh, the transition when you came to believe in the gospel, and then you talk about what happened after. And in the after section, Tanner really wanted us to focus on, on fellowship and, and to talk about how that had played a role in our spiritual growth. And as I thought back to that night, uh, in preparation for this night, as I thought back to that night when I was uh, asked to share my testimony, I, I couldn't help but to think of, of how I really didn't need to make any special efforts to talk about how fellowship was affecting my special, uh, spiritual growth. Fellowship was just something I had no choice, and still now, today, I have no choice but to attribute my spiritual growth to. It just had a huge impact on my life. Again, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. God was gracious to me early on in my Christian walk to make clear to me Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This was huge. In verse 33, Paul wrote, Don't be deceived, brother. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts what? Good morals. Good morals. I'm not alone, guys. And that's another thing that got me really excited about this topic is thinking of you all. Really, thinking of you all. Thinking of Grace Bible Church uh, as a whole, this is a place where people love to fellowship, right? Uh, Cross Life is a place where people love to fellowship. Uh, and I just want to encourage you guys tonight. I hope that tonight is really an encouragement uh, to a lot of you guys that you're doing what's right. I want to encourage you here, believer who love to fellowship, keep fellowshipping. Keep loving it. Uh, keep making it your life. Keep making it your life. Because this is the model we see in Scripture. This is the model we see in Scripture. 
Believers giving themselves to one another. If you love to fellowship like me, you're doing, you're doing it right. You're doing what's right. I ask you to open up to Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 42. It's a wonderful verse. Many of you are familiar with it. And they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching in the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This verse basically describes the life of the early church. The life of the early church. And what do we notice about the life of the early church? Well, they devoted themselves to the word of God, to the apostolic teaching. That was crucial. We also see that they devoted themselves to prayer, to the breaking of bread, which really is another form of fellowship. Prayer, which is also another form of fellowship. Luke, who's the author of this book, he uses the word devoted, devoted. And he's trying to communicate something to his audience about the early church in light of the apostles' teachings and fellowship. He's telling us that the church gave relentless attention to fellowship. He's telling us that they were constantly eager to do it. They, they persevered in it. They were nonstop fellowshippers, if we were to describe the early church. They were nonstop fellowshippers. The word fellowship in verse 42 is the Greek word koinonia. How many of you have heard that word before? Koinonia. Koinonia. It's a very common Greek word that preachers oftentimes mention when they're in the pulpit. And that word is used about 20 times in the New Testament. And it means this, partnership. Partnership, community, communion, or joint participation. The early church devoted themselves to partnering with one another. To partnering with one another. Or maybe a simple way uh, to put it is this. The early church, they love to share with one another. They love to share Uh, They were itching to do it. They were itching to do it. And this wasn't just the sharing of coffee, going out, uh, sharing your devos. No, no. We love to do that. This was sharing life. This was sharing life. So many of you here love to share your lives with other Christians. And I want to encourage you, you're not alone. You're not alone. Don't think you're abnormal or that you're weird if you really like to spend time with other believers and you're just really itching for it and you just really love to do it. The early church was the same way. This is the model we see in Scripture, which begs the question as to why. Why? Why fellowship? That's our first point if you're following me on your outline. Why fellowship? And I'm not asking the question, why should you fellowship? I'm not asking that question. I'm asking, why do you fellowship? Why do you fellowship? Why is fellowship for most of us here so very important? Why did the early church here in Acts chapter 2, why was it one of the things that they devoted themselves to, devoted their lives to? Why do Christians anywhere, for that matter, seem to be drawn to one another and want to share life together? And the answer to that question isn't anything profound. It's probably what you're thinking. It's because they have a lot in common. It's because of their commonality. It's because Christians are already partners. The early church was already partners. Uh, And this is really wonderful. This was wonderful once I began to really kind of dig into this and see what Scripture had to say about this. Uh, Again, the word for fellowship here that Luke uses is the Greek word koinonia. And the root word 
for that word is koinonas, a koinonas. And to be a koinonas means that you're a comrade or, or it means that you're a partner. All believers are comrades. You can look next to the person sitting next to you if they know the Lord Jesus and you can say, hello, comrade, hello. Actually, you don't have to do that now, uh, but I see some of you doing it. Um, all believers are partners with one another. Maybe you guys heard this. You're, you're, we're on the same team, guys. We're on the same team. Uh, we're companions with one another. And upon this note, I want us to look at the opening verses of Acts chapter 2. Luke writes, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is, this is a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. It's all wonderful. There are about 120 individuals gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem on this very monumental day. And, and mark this in your Bible. This is a crucial point in history. This is crucial. This was the inauguration of the church. This was the church's inception. Uh, Jesus uh, told the disciples, uh, Matthew records us back in Matthew chapter 16, he said he was going to what with this church? He was going to build it. And the gates of Haiti were not going to be able to prevail against it. And here in Acts 2, starting in verse 1, Jesus begins to fulfill that promise. And upon reading these verses, I begin to ask myself this. Why were these individuals together gathered in one small upper room? Why? Verse 15 of chapter 1, Luke tells us that there are about 120 individuals, including the apostles, uh, gathered on this day. And they were most likely packed like some sardines in a hot upper room in Jerusalem. Why? That doesn't sound very appealing. Would a lot of you guys like to pack together like sardines right now in a small upper room where it's probably hot? Why? Why were they gathered? And guys, there's a sense in which the answer to that question is this. Fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is what had drawn these individuals together. Koinonia is what had drawn these individuals together. Partnership. It's because they were comrades. These were the individuals who had commonality with one another. And what did they have in common? What, what were they partners in, you might ask? Well, they were the few who had to one degree or another uh, left their occupations, their former occupations. They had left their former lifestyles. They were the few who had Undoubtedly, at this point in time in history, uh, they, were, they would have been ostracized by society. Undoubtedly, they would have been ostracized. They would have been the outcasts. They were the few who had left their homes and left their families. Fathers, mothers, brothers, all for the sake of another. They were the few who had committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and they were the few as the book of Acts unfolds, we see we're willing to give their lives for Christ. The early church was heavily persecuted. 
And look at the beginning of verse 4, if you're still in Acts 2, look at it. And it says, and they were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This is wonderful. Guys, this is why they fellowshiped. This is why Luke tells us in verse 42 that they committed their lives to sharing it with one another. It's because of this. Catch this. They were fellows. They were fellows. That's why they fellowship. And ladies, no, I'm not calling the early church. They, they weren't all dudes. They weren't all guys. Uh, to be a fellow, another way to define that word, is, is a member of a group with common characteristics, common interests, common goals. The early church had so much in common. They had the most, the, the most important thing in common. In verse 4, they were all filled with what? The Spirit of God himself. The Spirit of God. And this isn't just the case for the early church. This is the case for all believers. All believers. All believers everywhere. We as Christians are fellow sharers. We share the same faith. We share the same commitment. We share the same Lord. We share the same Spirit. And thus, we fellowship. And thus, we're drawn to one another. Look at verse 32 of Acts chapter 2. Or verse 38, sorry. The church begins. Uh, Peter preaches a sermon to a multitude of Jews. And then we pick up in verse 37. He's preached a sermon. Now when they heard, this is the multitude of Jews he was just preaching to, they were cut to the heart. And, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our, uh, of our sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation, verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. This was a revival. This was wonderful. 3,000 souls. Man, I wish I could have been there. That would have been really, really exciting to see the Lord and his sovereignty save that many people. But I want us to take note at what Luke writes in verse 41. He says, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day. They were added. What were these believers added to? Well, you guys know they were added to the church. They were added to the church. They were added to, listen to this, they were added to the fellowship. To the fellowship. They were added to the body of believers. They were made fellows this very day, guys. This was huge. On that day, 3,000 souls were, were, were brought together with one another. And they were made fellow sharers. They shared the same faith. They shared the same baptism. Spiritually and physically, they shared the same spirit. And thus, in verse 42, what do they do? They devote themselves to it. They give their lives to it. Guys, this is why we fellowship. We follow after the model of the early church. We hear and we give attention to fellowship because we too are partners. I'm a partner of yours. 
I want to show you another wonderful passage that speaks to this issue of us being partners or shares. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul, in verse 3, uh, he just exhorted the believers in Ephesus. He said, maintain unity. Maintain unity. Why, though? Why were they to maintain unity? You have to ask that question. Why? Well, yes, because uh, the Spirit had instructed, instructed them to through the pen of Paul, but also verse 4. Here's why. Because there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The same hope, the same God, the same faith, the same Lord. Of course, Paul would call them to unity. It makes perfect sense, right? In a sense, these individuals are practically the same people. Guys, this is why we are drawn together. This is why the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. This is why we devote ourselves to fellowship. Guys, Jesus' words, and I'm just thinking about this, in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, uh, and he's praying to the Father, make them one, make them one. Answer this question. Was that prayer answered? Was that prayer answered? Some theologians might say no. Some might say no. I would argue, yes, it was answered. It was answered. Jesus was praying for who? The disciples, uh, believers. We see here, this prayer was answered. One faith, one Lord, one they were made one. Believers were one. Were one. Let me show you one more passage. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. This is wonderful. I get excited about this. 1 John chapter 1. In verse 3. John writes, that which we have seen, and of course he's talking about, end of verse 1, the word of life. It's very interesting. He starts his epistle off the very same way he starts his gospel off, uh, talking about the Christ, and he calls him the word of life. Uh, so he says, that which we have seen and heard, he says, we proclaim also to you. Why, John? So that you too may have what? Fellowship with us. That you may have partnership with us. That you may have something in common with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This is great. Fellowship is all about our already existing partnership. Fellowship is, is all about our already existing sharing of certain things together. If you're a part of the true church, you're in the fellowship, and you can't get out of it. You can't get out of it. Maybe you've never heard that. And that's because you can't lose your salvation. True believers can't stop having Christ as their Lord. 
They can't stop having the Spirit. You can't stop having the Spirit. Thus, you're always in fellowship. You're always in fellowship. You're always in partnership with me. You can't stop that. Guys, this is wonderful. This is good. I hope that this is encouraging to you guys. Again, this is nothing new, but I, heard, I hope you're being stirred up by way of reminder. We share our lives, ladies and gentlemen, because we're fellow sharers, because we're fellows. And this is the basis of our fellowship. How does it work itself out, though? How does it work itself out? Point two, the manifestation of our fellowship. And really, we've already hit on this. Uh, sharing, sharing, of course. We share the same faith. We share the same Lord. Thus, we share our lives with one another. But what does sharing our lives actually look like? What does koinonia actually look like? And I want you to go back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. To answer that question what sharing lives actually looks like. So in verse 42, Luke tells us that the early church devoted themselves to it. Uh, they gave relentlessly to sharing lives. And then in verse 43, he explains what that sharing of life looked like specifically. Verse 43, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is what it looks like to fellowship. At the end of verse 44, Paul says that they had all things in common, or Luke says, sorry, that they had all things in common. Uh, he's communicating that they shared everything. They shared everything. And a lot of us come to this passage and we're like, whoa, this is extreme. You read verse 45, they were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing everything. You might think, wow, this is reckless. This is recklessness going on here right? No, it's not. It's not. I want to guarantee you that this was not recklessness. Why? The end of verse 45. How were they doing so? As any had need. As any had need. Guys, they were meeting needs. They were meeting needs. And we too, when we share our lives, we have to meet needs. Physical needs, yes. Spiritual needs, yes. This is what we got to do when we share our lives. We also have to worship God and praise God together. Look at the beginning of verse 46. And day by day, they attended the what? The temple together. This is where they worshiped God. And how were they doing these things? How were they attending the temple? How were they sharing their lives together? Look at the end of verse 46. With glad and generous hearts. With glad and generous hearts. This is great. This is great. This is what it looks like, again, guys, to share our lives in the body. You share spiritually. You share physically. But to really sum it all up, you meet needs, the end of verse 45. And you do so with a glad and a generous heart. Guys, this isn't socialism. This isn't socialism in Acts chapter 2. This is sacrifice. This is sacrifice. And so I ask the question, are you giving sacrificially to other believers? 
Are you giving with glad and generous hearts? And it doesn't have to be finances. It doesn't have to be anything physical, again, because it's about what? Meeting needs. That might not be the need. Are you giving your time? Are you giving your gift? You definitely have one of those, which leads me into the second, the second manifestation of our fellowship, one another's, the one another's. Fulfilling the one another's is a way we can manifest our commonality, isn't it? And I put a few one another's on your list, uh, on your handouts, but no, that list is not exhaustive. It is not exhaustive. There are definitely a lot more one another's in the Bible. Guys, the one another's exist. Why? Well, because there are needs to be met in the body, spiritual needs. And we all have been equipped with a gift, a spiritual gift to meet those spiritual needs. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received the gift, use it. Why? To serve one another to serve one another. And I think this is what makes the body of Christ so wonderful, so unique. We just learned that we're basically the same people in a lot of ways. We have so many things in common, the same faith, the same Lord, the same hope, etc., etc. But at the same time that we have so many things in common, we, we aren't exactly the same people. I'm not the same as you. I'm sure that doesn't take long to figure out. Um, we're, we're different in a lot of ways. We're different in a lot of ways. And even our differences, listen to this, even our differences call for fellowship. Do you hear me? Even our differences call for fellowship. We partner, yes, because we're drawn together with our similarities, but we're also drawn together because we recognize that while we are all common, we're all different. And those differences are good. They're good differences. And those differences are due to the sovereignty of God and and they have need of use within the body, our differences. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. Paul gives an analogy of body, of the body life, using an actual body. And just, I think this is a wonderful picture of fellowship, really. This is a wonderful picture of fellowship. Uh, and it's a wonderful picture of the differences in the body and how we meet uh, one another's needs. Picking up in verse 12 of chapter 12. For just as the body, he's talking about a physical body, is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. The church is the same way as bodies. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. So here's the oneness, guys. Here's our oneness. Here's what we just talked about. Paul said, we're one. We're one, but at the same time, just like the body, though we're one, there's differences. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it any, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, what would be the sense of smell? Buzz, but, at, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? If we were all the same, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Yet one body. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. We're different, guys. We're different, but even our differences call for us to come together in fellowship. 
Again, and the one another's help us do that. Very practical way. Last way we manifest our fellowship, discipleship. And this is huge, guys. Uh, discipleship uh, has a lot to do with sharing our lives. It has a lot to do with the one another's, but I just had to separate this one. Discipleship is Grace Bible Church's motto. It's Cross Life's motto. And there's good reason for that. Discipleship was practiced by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It was practiced by the early church. And we too as Christians, guys, I want to tell you, we have to give our lives to this. We have to give our lives to replicating ourselves, if you will. That's what Jesus did with the 12. And, and not only making disciples, but also being disciples. How many of you guys are in relationships with older people? You know, oftentimes when I think about this, and I hope I'm not ruffling too many feathers, when I, when I think that of certain people who are not in relationship with older people, I think they might have an issue with teachability. You, you constantly need to be getting poured into. Why? Because I don't know everything. Why? And because you don't know everything. And because we need to share our lives with older men who can pour and older women who can pour into our lives. Are you devoting your life to this? Discipleship isn't a game. Discipleship isn't a game. And, and we shouldn't keep it out in theory land. We should be getting in the ground and doing it. Manifesting fellowship, an easy way to do that is share your life. Paul was a great example of this. Follow me as I follow Christ, 1 Corinthians 11. And then I put on there 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 or, or chapter 2, I think, verse 7. And I have this written down here. Paul wrote this. Listen to him talking about his fellowship with the church in Thessalonica. He says, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, not only the gospel did Paul want to share with these Thessalonicas, but our own selves, but our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. How many of you guys are imparting your lives to other people? How many of you are imparting your lives, giving your lives to others, letting them see every aspect of your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly? This is, this is fellowship. And guys, those are the ways we manifest our fellowship. Sharing, uh, fulfilling the one another's, fulfilling the one another's in discipleship. Our last point as we close the threat to our fellowship. And guys, the reason why I wanted to close the message with this is just because I wanted to remind yourself or you guys, and I want to remind myself of what has so marred Christian fellowship. So marred Christian fellowship. Seriously, it wreaks, it wreaks, it wreaks havoc. And it continues to do so today. And that's, of course, sin. Sin. Sin is what divides the church. Sin is what can divide a lot of you in here. Sin, it stymies effective fellowship within the body. And really, it's the sin of selfishness, of selfishness. People want what they want, so they do what they do. Being in a close relationship will teach you that. People want what they want, so they do what they do. James 4 tells us. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a fellowship stopper right there. It is. It is. And our culture doesn't help us in this aspect. Our culture is marked by individualism. It tells us to pursue your own happiness at any cost, right? Do it your way. 
do it Deontay's way. Do it the way you like, whatever's convenient for you, right? And that's crept into the church. I mean, guys, think about it. Fellowship is really being attacked in our day and age. Online sermons? What is that? Seriously. What is that? Our technological gadgets, our phones, right? How often are, are we sitting here and, 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 and we got our phones out and we're doing this? And somebody's right in front of you. And, and you're like this. Somebody's right there for you to talk to, for you to share your life with. Or, or maybe we're like this. Selfishness. Speaking to myself, too. Seriously, guys, this is, this is huge. And I just want to say, guys, that can't be the way we live. It can't be. It can't be. Please call me out if I'm ever on my phone in front of you. I embrace that. I embrace that. I hope you embrace it, too, because I'll be sure to call you out. And I know it's difficult to be willing to give up your time and your efforts for the sake of others, guys. I know it doesn't come easy, it doesn't come natural to me to be willing to give up my time for the sake of others. I'm sure it doesn't come natural to you. But this is the model Jesus left us, right? Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we tell it to our servant leaders. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve, to give his life, to give his life for many. That's our model. Guys, I, again, I want to encourage you, you're doing well in this. Don't let sin, don't let the sin of selfishness mar. I look around, guys, and we're so different. We have different personalities. Don't let personalities uh, uh, be a fellowship stopper. Maybe if someone is, if, if you will, for lack of better terms, socially awkward, who, who cares? It's not about you. Be willing to be socially awkward with that person. Hopefully that doesn't, doesn't cause too weird of things. <laughs> but do you get what I'm saying, though? You get what I'm saying? Different personalities, that should kind of draw us to one another. Man, this guy's different. I talk a little bit more. He doesn't talk. Maybe we can compliment each other. Ever think about that? <laughs> really, right? Guys, we got to put off selfishness and put on humility. we got to put on an attitude of sacrifice we got to put on an attitude of selflessness. And again, I'm, I'm encouraged by a lot of you guys here because you're doing that. You're doing that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I want to close with Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. You know where I'm going. Verse 3. This is huge. And, and, and Paul had in mind unity. He had unity. In verse 1, he, he said, If there's any participation in the Spirit, be of one mind. Be of the same love, full of cord. And how do we do that? Verse 3, uh, do, not, do, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Guys, this has been, it's been a challenge, constant challenge in my heart, and I'm sure it's a challenge for you. Look out for others, guys. Look out for the brothers and sisters next to you. We're partners, guys. We're partners. we got to look out for one another. We're a body, we're one, yet we're many. Keep putting on humility. You're doing it well. Keep putting others' interests in front of your own. You're doing it well, guys. And keep sharing your lives. 
keep sharing your lives with other believers. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this fellowship. Uh, And yes, I mean this fellowship, this partnership that I have with all the individuals in here who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, and I pray that there, if there be any in this room who aren't in the fellowship, Father, I hope that you would grant us great grace. You would grant the believers in this room great wisdom to see if there's someone in the room who doesn't know you. And and we would do what John says in 1 John 3, that we would proclaim him the word of life so that they may have fellowship with us, Lord. We want those in the room who don't know Jesus Christ to have fellowship with us, to have the same spirit, the same faith, the same hope, Lord. And I just, I just smile when I think of hope. We got so much to hope, hope for as believers. It only, get be- it only gets better for us, Lord. It only gets better for us. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that. It's because of Jesus. It's because of sacrifice for us. It's because of sacrifice for us that we can have fellowship, Lord. And I pray for the believers in this room, including myself, Lord, will we put off selfishness? Will we put on humility? Will we put on considering others more important than ourselves? And will we share our lives together? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.